So welcome to Real Talk Unleashed, the Real Ass Veterinary Podcast for Real Ass Veterinary Professionals. My name is Caitlin Sharapova. My name is Michelle. I'm Tasha Stark. And we are here to make some meaningful change within the industry. Everybody is really stressed out. Everybody is fed up. Everybody is complaining about it, either to their colleagues or in Facebook groups and other you know, social media sites and things like that. <clears throat> so I think one of the first things that we want to talk about is, and one of the things that causes a great deal of strife for veterinary professionals is bad client behavior. So we did a job satisfaction survey. We sent it out uh, in multiple Facebook groups and we had over 300 responses from veterinary professionals. and. Uh, we asked them, you know, are you happy in your current job? And if you are happy, why? And if you're not happy, why? And of the uh, responses of people that were unhappy or had feedback about what was wrong in their jobs, more than half of them cited bad client behavior. And so, you know, I think that in uh, in an industry where, you know, w we understand that as veterinary professionals, we're dealing with people's babies. We're dealing with their pets whom they love very much. Um, but I think what ends up happening is, you know, clients get appeased, you know, when they make a fuss and they uh, complain at the front desk, uh, then management wants to try to essentially appease them so that they don't, you know, do this terrible social media campaign uh, against them. Uh, and we'll, we can talk about that a little bit later, sure. but so it's essentially rewarding bad behavior Absolutely. and clients have gotten used to that. You know, it's like if you go into a restaurant and you have a bad meal and you mm -hmm. complain about it, they either give you money off your bill or they yeah. whatever. And so people know now, well, yeah, if I speak learned. up about this, then mm -hmm. I'm going to be essentially rewarded for this. Right. Uh, the problem is when you do that in a really fucking toxic way right, yeah. and so a lot of times these clients are very abusive so on the survey that we filled out we had responses that were anywhere from clients being mean rude disrespectful pushy to actual assault yeah, like people that reported violence. actual physical assault Absolutely. by clients um, and you know we can talk about the veterinary hospital in Maine mm -hmm. where you know the, the lady had a dog it needed emergency surgery she couldn't afford the emergency surgery and then she presented her story after the fact to a news organization the news organization then uh, presented the story without Very getting story. yes yeah. without getting the the clinics side of the story and then all these people, they went on, they, you know, they did vigilante they social media. Hunt, they yeah, did, essentially. Vigilante. They turned their Google, um, just their listing into casket service. Yeah. Which is like, I mean. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you think about the fact that, first of all, it, you know, pets are a luxury, that, you know, and I know that people are not going to like to hear that, but are, it is what it is. Like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a pet necessarily but at the same time like you have to be responsible for it you yeah. know you can't expect that somebody else is going to be responsible for it and right. so if your pet has a major catastrophic situation and you can't afford to pay for that that's your own fault yeah, yeah. and your pet yeah. shouldn't have Absolutely. to suffer and certainly at the very end of the day if we're not you know we're not going to debate that it is not the veterinary hospital's responsibility right. to to take your pet's uh, financial obligation and, and take care of that and provide you with with care for free. I mean, we always say, you know, we can't care more about your pet than you do. Yeah, and so, you know, if you 
pets are biologic beings. They're going to get sick eventually. Mm -hmm. And so for the client that says, well, you know, I didn't have the money for this. I mean, why is that our responsibility? Where is the personal responsibility in caring for your pet? Right. Just like with anything else, if you get to the grocery store and you don't have the money to buy food, where is our, like, that's not the grocery store's issue and we don't try to ever make it their issue. Right. So, I mean, I know that our profession, we tend to be compassionate. It's what gets us into this profession. We're empathetic. And I think that's why we carry the, the burden sometimes of, of trying to, like the case of the, in, you know, in Maine with the ER hospital, you know, if we euthanized that animal, you know, it would have been looked at as we were horrible people. Oh, yeah. So they tried to figure out another alternative, and they still are looked at as horrible people. Agreed. And I mean, I think here, you know, that's another elephant in the room is, you know, I don't know that the public necessarily wants to acknowledge the fact that uh, you know, euthanasia happens based on people's lack of finances. Absolutely. And so if you go into a veterinary hospital, an emergency or otherwise, and your pet has a catastrophic injury or illness, and it is not going to be humane to continue to allow that pet to suffer and leave, uh, if you're not going to be able to afford treatment, then the best situation in, in, in the best situation to happen then is euthanasia. And, right, yeah. and maybe clients don't want to hear yeah, that. Sure. Maybe people don't want to face that, but that is the reality right. of it. You know, you're not going to let a dog that has, uh, you know, a, a foreign body that is going to cause their intestines to rupture and they're going to be, you know, septic and it's going to be painful and right. excruciating. It is better to euthanize that pet than it is to let it go home oh, and sure, suffer. For sure. And so, yeah, you know. And, and clients, you know, they always hit us with the, well, you don't love animals, but it's, I always find it weird that we don't do this in human medicine. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for your doctor to say, well, we can't afford to, you know, that's not covered under your insurance, and they cut you off. Yeah. And that's never looked at as being inhumane. However, for animals, I mean, as veterinarians, we have to carry the, the mental burden of the minute you, it, it becomes about money, we don't care for the animal. But I feel like one part of this is taking the veterinarian out of the money aspect. Right. And I, I, you know, ultimately with the hospital in Maine, it was put on the hospital, not the individual veterinarian per se, but that veterinarian did still, you know, apparently is still going through a lot of, you know, bullying and just mm -hmm. cyber attacks and all the things that, that um, make for just a horrible situation mm -hmm. for trying to help a, a pet that, um, the owners otherwise wouldn't have been able to, to care for. Right. But I, you know, part of client, client, bad client behavior and just understanding how we fix this issue, because for us, I mean, we want to be able to provide solutions or at least like, you know, a, a, a way out of this is to take the veterinarian out of the finances, do it, you know, carry it like they do in a dental office, sure. take the client into the office, go over the estimate and the business office, figure out the, you know, the, the financial part and then go back in with the veterinarian so that we are we are apart from the financial part. Yeah. A lot of the conversations that I see on the veterinary forums are, you know, I told the client what the estimate would be. It's like, why are you telling? Like, why is that your responsibility? Right. I've never had a human doctor go over an estimate with me. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you all have. I've no, never no. had one say, this is what we're, we're looking, looking at. It's done beforehand. You walk in the office, they, they take care of that part. So maybe even empowering the, the front staff or having a whole separate business department that does that part because we, we, we have to figure out the client behavior, the bad client behavior is driving veterinarians out of this prof profession in droves. And the lack of response from management is the second thing. You know, right. people are gonna behave badly. That, that's gonna happen no matter what situation you're, you know, no matter what profession you work in. Right. But the response from management is, it leaves a lot to be desired for, for these doctors. 
so you know I mean I guess for me it's like well how do we make management you know they're looking at the financial aspect how do we figure out how to make management more supportive of doctors to keep people in this profession because ultimately you know you it's it's exhausting you get tired of you know at a client today even who um, you know refused to fill out our client paperwork she said that she wasn't gonna fill it out she wanted a paper version and this is the type of client that I feel like had we not handled her appropriately she could have been just you know a Karen for days yeah but I said to her if you don't fill out the client form we're not coming and maybe we're not the service for you right yeah she filled out the paperwork we went to her house she paid us in cash and it was a good experience so I think too like we have to set the boundary yeah. and the tone 100%. Yeah. You know, I mean, that lady could have been out of hand. And so we, she had the appointment time wrong. She said that we were supposed to be there yesterday. We showed her in the email that it was confirmed for today. I had an emergency and couldn't get there until 1030 as opposed to 10 o'clock. But I made sure to let the team know. I said, if she has an issue, she's in the human profession. She's a nurse. Good figure. But, you know, I, I made sure to tell the team member, if she doesn't understand a 30 minute you know, emergency, then she's not the client for us. 100%. Right. However, I'm comfortable with not getting the money for that. Yeah. And I feel like that's where the, where we have to be more aggressive, like making the management understand that we don't need every dollar, like, oh. and because you're actually losing money. That's yeah. the thing. So you're stepping over, you're stepping over thousands of dollars to grab a job. Absolutely. And, and that's the problem. And so, you know, I, I think we've had this conversation in the past where you say, you know, in, in the past, 10 years ago, you would be, uh, you would be struggling to get business to your hospital right, right. rather than the neighborhood hospitals. But now that's not the, we're not, not in the all. same environment anymore. No. So, so there's truly no excuse. Right. We need to change our mentality. But I think some of it's probably the residual it is. of the 10, 10 year ago mentality. It is. But it's time for us to like pinch ourselves and, and come to the reality that we can now choose who we want our clientele to be. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that with our house call service that I, I said from the beginning, we're going to choose the people that we want. Right. I can't tell you, like our days are so smooth. You know, the pets, you know, we can deal with that part. We're trained medically to deal with that part. But the part that makes our day the burden is the clients and dealing with the clients that are behaving poorly. Right. Um, you know, we've had several clients, I mean, our policy is to do gabapentin with every cat. I've had clients say they don't want to do it, then you're not our client. Right. If you don't understand that I need to keep your pet comfortable and the team safe, then why are we right. why are we catering problem. to that person? Exactly. Exactly. You know? You think that your that one client is is more, you know, is more of an asset than a doctor who says to you, anytime a doctor says, I don't ever want to see that client again, why does the hospital not really fire, right away. fire that client? Right. right reevaluate that situation, figure out what's happened. Yeah. Keeping that doctor happy generates Absolutely. more revenue for the practice than that one client. Absolutely. Because they're going to continue to be a problem. And so eventually you're going to get to the point where you may have to fire that Absolutely. person later down the road. So yeah. you're just prolonging that abuse to yes. your employees right. and making them suffer when you could just set the expectation and say, Absolutely. hey, we're not going to tolerate this. Yes. If you would like to continue being our client, this is what we expect. Absolutely. If not, we're not the clinic for you. There's another one down the road. And, and, and it gives your staff, it, it makes your staff feel like that they're supported. Yes. By saying, you know, I, I mean, I have clinics that I go to and do relief as well. And they say, well, Dr. So-and-so never fires anybody. Well, to me, that says 
they don't give a shit about how this client treats me. As long as they pay, I can be treated any kind of way. I mean, what, what are you telling your team members? And then we wonder why it's so hard to find and retain good yeah, staff. Exactly. We I don't mean, support them through Well, that's through the bare minimum. Months. Like, not letting people physically assault your employees <laughs> is literally lower than the bare minimum. Like, wow. That's wow. The, we can't even do that standard in this right. profession. I mean, it, it, yeah. Like, it should go so far beyond that. Right. It's not just, you know, physically protecting your staff and mentally and emotionally protecting your staff. It should go beyond that. For and sure. And... And not just stop there, you know what I mean? It's Maybe not... even, you know, one of the things that we've done with um, with the house call service is a client code of conduct. Mm -hmm. And so um, in order for a client to be a part of, you know, our concierge service, they have to say that we are not going to badmouth these doctors on social media. We will be courteous. We will be kind. Why don't we do that? And why is that Why is that not an expectation everywhere? Right. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It's just bizarre to me that- And I would that, be happy to share our code of conduct with anyone that yeah. emails us to get it. It's, yeah. it's necessary. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more than anything, it it tells the client, I'm not putting up with your bullshit. Right, yeah. It literally puts you behind the wheel versus yeah. them behind the wheel. Oh, 100%. I That's mean, what should be. It, if it, I went it, to a practice that, saw, that said that, I would know from that point on, like, I don't, I'm not a Karen when it comes to, you know, businesses anyway, but that would just reiterate to me that, listen, they mean what they say. Yeah. yeah. And they care about their employees. Yeah, absolutely. There are some, there are some clinics that get it right, but they are few and far between. What do some of those do differently though? So, uh, an example of that is this past weekend, mm -hmm. one of, uh, two of our doctors were at a hospital mm -hmm. and the, uh, LBT was shadowing with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and one of our doctors said that they had a client blow up the day and it was, oh. I guess it was her, her client. Um, and the, the client was upset because her fractious cat bit its own tongue while they were trying to oh. attempt to take x-rays and was screaming at the front desk staff and just making a huge fuss. Wow. And apparently the person that was assisting uh -huh. uh, that doctor with the situation was the actual manager. Oh. And so the manager went into her office and had the paperwork together to fire That's the awesome. client by the end of the day. Awesome. And so essentially they were like, look, we're not going to accept this Absolutely. behavior. We understand that you're upset that your oh. cat bit his tongue. We don't right. really have control right. over that. Right. Your cat is fractious. Right. We're doing the best that we can Absolutely. to give it care. I mean, you can't stop a cat that's trying right. to bite somebody else from biting its own tongue. And they probably didn't premedicate it like the doctor asked them Oh, yeah. That's, right. that's always the case for refused <laughs> right. exactly. Oh, we what didn't did give it. Yes. We didn't give it. We didn't think he needed it. He doesn't bite. Absolutely. Exactly. But again, you know, make it harder for these people and not easier. I was reading a post the other night about a veterinarian who she had multiple discussions with a client about a dental where the dog needed extractions. And the client told her when the, when the dog comes in there, do everything you absolutely need to do, pull any teeth that you need. They told her that again on the phone when she when they dropped the pet off. The client signed the form and checked call before doing extractions. The dog did fine. Six months later, the dog got into a dog fight and got beat up by another dog. They sued the veterinarian because they said that their dog couldn't defend itself. <gasps> I mean, where are we now? Like, I, I just don't even understand. That reminds me of like the the original lawsuits like so long ago. You know why McDonald's has the careful, this is hot yeah, yeah. thing on their thing? Because some cop spilled a bunch of hot coffee on himself and was like, I didn't know it was gonna be hot. And then sued Unreal. McDonald's and won. Unreal. And now they have to have that warning on there. And it's like, what did you 
thing. Thank you. Gonna, <laughs> you ask for a hot cup of coffee. Right. Like, what, what do you expect here? Right. But again, it's just, you know, and I'm hoping, and I don't know the outcome of the situation. I cannot. They, they're suing her. But I hope that that management team has already formulated that letter just as you were, no, if they ever let that person come back, you can pretty much understand how little they value Well, you. yeah, that's insane. I mean, and, and clients will be clients, but what we need is for management to step up and say, like that hospital, yeah. you wanna act like a Karen, you can, good luck. Well, it needs good to luck be like that. Good luck that'll tolerate your bullshit. Right. right, and it needs to be like that across the board. If every clinic were to do that, right. can you imagine? There you couldn't low turnover. Right. <laughs> you couldn't get that care unless you treated people like human beings. Like absolutely. How like yeah. How novel. Right. But it's crazy <laughs> to me because when I was looking at the survey, you know, so I another one of the questions on the survey was if you left the field or you're thinking about mm -hmm. leaving the field, why? Mm -hmm. And hands down, most of it was client behavior. Yeah. So the reason we hear ourselves. So the reasons yeah. why they're leaving the field mm -hmm. is because of client behavior. And and you know, again, you can't control what somebody else is going right. to do. All you can control is how you respond to Absolutely. it. Great. You want to act like that? No problem. Here's yeah. your pet. Leave. Yep. Don't ever come back. I mean, yeah. one of the, I, I remember I had to call the police on a client. And so um, it was a client that came in with his two-year-old cattle dog that had been in labor for over a day with the puppy hanging out. So client had no money. Um, we ended up having to euthanize the dog. The guy became very, I, I do believe he was on drugs, he became very violent toward me. I called the police and one of the things of that whole very chaotic day that I remember is that the staff said, Dr. Stark, thank you for standing up to this guy and, for, and, and she, they said, the other vet that works here would have never stood up. And I think some of it's because it, you know, it is a, a corporate practice and they do, you know, again, I, it's not, that doctor is not empowered to be able to even protect herself right. if a nut job client comes in, right. I call the police and press charges right. yeah. because that will make it less likely for this idiot. I mean, he's been just the most irresponsible that you can possibly be. Right. You have an intact dog and you also allow her to be bred and you also let her be in labor for two days or for 24 hours active labor right. without seeking veterinary care. That's not my issue, and you're not allowed to be upset with me because you haven't done your job. Right. And the staff there actually thanked me for being able to stand up because they knew I was keeping them, you know, they were at the hospital too. Right. Yeah. Their safety was at risk, but I took command of that situation. Right. I didn't just, you know, the manager was there, but I said, listen, we're calling the police. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that every situation warrants the police being called, but do do something send them a firing letter or you know if it's a, a small a small infraction send them a letter and just say hey your behavior your behavior is unacceptable <laughs> yeah you know and i would even go as far as to say you need to apologize to our staff yeah and if this happens in the future you are no longer our client we will send fluffy's records to you know yeah. east oak veterinary whatever you know I absolutely right. Right. clients are getting worse and we are crying for our help yeah. in the vet profession i mean i know personally for me I like the house call service that we do because we have so many boundaries mm -hmm. and it makes just our experience. I actually figure out that when I'm doing these, I actually like being a veterinarian again. Right. The clinic situation, even if I'm not the one that the hostility is toward, hearing other doctors going through it, it really just wears on you. It does. Yeah. You know, I can, I can handle myself and I'm very quick to tell a client like, ma'am, if this 
you know, tone or if this continues, like I'm, this exam is over. Right. But a lot of these clinics don't empower doctors or, or staff to be able to say to a client, go fuck off, go fuck yourself. Right. I mean, yeah. and we need to, I'm not saying that we have to do it in a way that's unprofessional. We can be very professional oh, yeah. and say that too. We can definitely take the high ground, but we need to advocate for our, our team. If all of these people are saying the same thing, there has to be something to it. 100%. Yeah. Well, and we're very well versed in telling people to fuck off professionally. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We've, yes. we've mastered the art. Absolutely, respectfully. Yeah, respectfully. Like we need some some ideas. And if we don't have that come to Jesus moment about client behavior, we're going to continue to hemorrhage the staff. You know, I know for veterinary medicine, we're currently making so much money, like as a profession. I, I don't see the incentive for places. I, I, I don't know what's what's going to get them to that point. You know, the, the team members are, are crying out for help, and I just don't know that places are getting it. I think when you're talking about that, what I'm thinking is, you know, clearly management is not thinking about the big picture because, right. again, if even if it's corporate management, right. if, if you're if corporate management is looking at this situation and is assessing it with any kind of business acumen. Mm -hmm. They would say it makes more sense to fire because this right. doctor or this assistant or whatever is over the lifetime of them being right. there is going to generate more revenue than this one client. Right, yeah. right. And if your people are happy, then they are more productive. Absolutely. And so if your if your management has any kind of business acumen, then they make those decisions appropriately. For sure. But I think another part of what's wrong with our industry is that we take people off the street you know, that may or may not have any kind of training right. or education or background in the jobs that we're asking them to do. And we're just like, okay, here, go. Right. You know, you take somebody who, as a vet assistant, they've been there for two days. They don't know where the gauze right. is. They right. don't know where the syringes are. And you pair them with the, the relief or the locum vet. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, here you go. Well, Here's a full day worth of appointments. Sure, like sure. 15 minute appointment to me. Right. <laughs> Looking at that situation from the outside in, I see, okay, clearly the manager of that hospital has no fucking clue right. what they're doing, right? right? And and maybe it's not their fault because because sure. maybe they were a vet assistant sure. that was promoted to, to management because yeah. they were really good at being a vet assistant, right. Right. but they don't know fuck all about profit and loss or how right. to manage a or hospital. Or be a leader. And so Absolutely. that's what's happening in our industry. I think that, you know, we're not valuing the people that are going to school, getting their education, yeah. getting their degree, paying them a living fucking wage. Yep. Like, let's talk about what we're paying LVTs. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's just not like, I understand that an LVT degree is a two year degree, but still like right. they are very highly trained, highly skilled individuals. Right. They right. should be pay being paid a lot more than they're making now. Absolutely. But we would rather hire Joe Schmo off the street who's pet sat in fucking yes. high school or some right. bullshit right. like that. Had and a pet. and right. now all of a sudden, like he's your assistant yeah. and now he's your manager and he doesn't know what the fuck he's right. doing. And it's not his fault. Yeah. You right. know? But again, we have to figure out how to have accountability for them hiring Joe Schmo and you know how do we make it totally. enticing to get more people to get better people when we continue to to not address bad client behavior like the thing yeah. that's making people leave if you have a bucket with a hole in it no matter how much water you put in it it's never going to fill up yeah. so if we don't figure out a way to plug the hole or retain staff we're never going to have a, a full competent staff 100% which I mean it's crazy to me that, you know, we just interviewed a vet assistant, a very highly skilled, very, very. excellent personality, like 
but she is she is so beat down yeah, from beat that down. practice and she like uh, Caitlin and I were having this conversation oh, yeah. on the way here if you take a rose bush right. and you put it in a uh, you know a uh, cow field in the shade mm -hmm. and you've got cow shit all around it right the rose bush is going to like you know shrivel up, shrivel up. Mm -hmm. yeah. but if you've got that rose bush that's like still right. kind of kicking out there like right. i'm trying i'm trying right. if you take that and you put that in a good environment sure. and I, you know if you listen to this and you know who I'm talking about, I don't mean to refer to you as no, a rose no. bush. But, <laughs> or shriveled, but, running but rose what I'm saying is, we you, love you. You yeah. take somebody who clearly is so Potential. passionate about yes. this industry, clearly has so yes. much get up and go, so potential, much potential, yeah. and you shit on that right, because right. you. Yeah. Every single day, yeah. all day. Like your fucking and they're job. still doing so well despite all of that. So when she joins our team and she's successful, She's gonna thrive exactly. because we're putting her in an environment that is conducive to her thriving, and, and we're treating her like and not a human being. People talk to her like she's garbage. Right. Exactly. And that's one thing that you all y'all know that I don't deal with yeah. is anybody disrespecting any of our team members. Yeah. And you know, it, you know, I feel like it just it, it empowers everybody on the team. Yes. They call. They're they're like, I know that this is gonna be handled yes. very appropriately. And so, you know, and, and it helps, allows people to be able to do their job better. Yes. You know, they get, they're more confident in, in what they're doing. But just even talking about the team member that, that's joining us, I mean, if we treat her well and help her to grow, she could be a great licensed oh, yeah. technician down yes. the road. She could yeah. be a veterinarian down the road. Yes. Like, th these are the people that we need, someone that's passionate about the profession. Yeah. But, I mean, just even the beatdown she's just explains, it's nothing that we, it's like a hazing system. I know. Oh you know, it's almost like, well, we went through it and you should have to go through it. When will this be enough that we can just nurture people in our profession and not bully them into right. doing what we want them to do? Right. Clearly, it's not working. Right. You know, it's, it, let's try something different. Right, right. Well, so, and this goes back to what you were saying about taking the money aspect away from the veterinarian. Right. I wonder if in corporate medicine, and I know we're going to talk about corporate medicine a little bit later, but I think that, do you think that they would be willing to do that and shift the focus of the money onto themselves? Because then... They don't have that scapegoat of, oh, you know, this person is going to explain the estimate to you. Because so then that it was it, a thing. That mm -hmm. was a thing at, a, at one corporate hospital mm -hmm. that I was at that they were trying out. And yeah. so the veterinarian would say, okay, yes. so Susan's going to come in here and go over your invoice with you. Right. And the veterinarian would then leave. Yes. Yeah. And Susan would go over the invoice. I think what ended up happening with that is that there was a lot of... Uh, there, that it wasn't quite an efficient process. Mm -hmm. And instead of sticking with it and, and working out the kinks of yeah. that, they were like, well, this takes too long. We get sure. too far behind. Yeah. We can't do that anymore. Was it because the person wasn't able to really mm -hmm. explain in detail? That's the... exactly what it was. Okay. Well, so it's just, just a matter of training people, like we said. Because they went back and asked the doctor, well, she asked about sub-Q fluids. Right. Yeah. Why would you do sub-Q fluids? And, right. and I think, it, you know, in my opinion, yeah. I have, you know, been at a place that did it that way for a while. Yeah. And that was the issue. The, the person didn't always understand what the doctor wanted. If they could be competent enough to kind of go through and say, well, you know, the doctor, you know, they may, they'll probably start with this, with the x-rays. Yeah. And you know, kind of walk them through it, but then th what would happen is that the doctor, I'd have to go back in and say, "Well, it's the sub Q fluids," and yeah. then they'd have to come back in, and we were back yeah. and forth, and then an hour has passed, well, and you haven't got anything done. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the other part of that is, does the client respect what the person is like? The person, sure, the paraprofessional, right. what's helping them? Does the client respect them in the same way that they respect the veterinarian? 
But, but again, if you have somebody that's well-trained, that, right. that understands the estimate themselves, right. Right. that understands the, the treatment plan for themselves, then they should be able to go in there and confidently that's go over that estimate. Is. And yeah. if they're and confident if, yeah, about if you, it. If you have someone explaining to you that's not confident, you're not going to believe that. 100%. Because, I mean, I, I, even on our team, we have team members, they do this every day. They call clients, explain everything so they know what they're talking about. Yeah. No one's ever had to ask me a question. Right. So that's the difference. Right. Yeah. They're confident, they know what they're talking about. If the client has a second question in response to their first one, they're able to answer that one. So that's yeah. what we need to figure out. Yeah. The you know Getting the team confident enough to understand what's being asked of them so that they can talk, talk to the client. Which yeah. goes back to, you have to hire competent people right. and then you have to you pay provide them, them you have to pay them well right. and then you have to retain them by not letting clients abuse them and not treating them like shit. Absolutely. Right. It's, yeah. it's pretty it sounds, fucking simple. It sounds very simple, but unfortunately I think it's very, very hard for this profession. Yeah. Um, you know, I even just talk to doctors every day that just, they deal with, you know, just the, the overarching theme is just the bad client behavior. We work long hours. We had we're under very you know stressful con, you know conditions, but it's always the client, the bad client behaviors is what seems to put a you know a damper on the day. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if you think of it in terms of you know, I, I don't think that the clients necessarily understand the perspective right. of the veterinary staff. Like our the jobs that we do are difficult. The situations that we're in are difficult. Like you said, we're routinely working long hours. We're routinely not getting breaks for meals. Uh, the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, not able to use the bathroom on a regular basis. You're dehydrated because you're not, you're not being paid a living wage. You're dealing with all of your life outside of work and then you come to work and you're in this environment that may be toxic and you're trying to put on a good right. face for the client and you know, I, I and they mean, spit in your face. Right. Yes. And I mean, here's <laughs> and they the thing: you don't care about your pet. Right. And I mean, I think here's here's the other side of this: is that I think that the the veterinary hospitals and the way that we manage them create some of the client complaints oh, because yeah. if you've got a hospital that expects doctors to see 15 minute appointments right. during COVID when you're doing curbside, right. you're gonna have a lot of people running behind. Right. And I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting in my doctor's office and my appointment was at 10 o'clock and it's 11.15 and I haven't been seen yet, right. I'm irritated. Absolutely. And so I'm not going to scream at the doctor. I'm sure. not going to scream at the doctor and tell them that they don't care about me and all of that stuff. But right. at the same time, I'm gonna see, clearly you don't have a very good management structure because exactly. you're so far behind. And so, you know, the, the corporations or management uh, or ownership of these practices are creating environments that are causing some of these- It's such a failure. Yeah. They do, they, yeah. they, set, they, they schedule things such that clients are already gonna be yeah. irritated because they're waiting right. or, you know, you know, whatever the case but, may you know, be. But even, if, even if I would be fine with waiting if, you know, I, I've always tried to, have it so if I'm running behind like why is there not a, absolutely yes. why isn't there someone that says like if you go get your car done they'll come and say you know a couple more minutes on the on the old change right. we do have a snack bar over here right. like set us up for success yeah. you know I, I I hated it in, pri in private practice where I'm already working on a case I'm stressed out I'm trying to figure it out and they're like Mrs. so-and-so's mad because you're running an hour behind and I'm like well can you please why haven't you 
gone to her and updated her on the situation, offer a drop off. Right. Yeah. You know, do figure out something, but it's like, and I don't know if it's because the front desk staff is not empowered to do that. The front desk staff doesn't want to talk to her because right. they don't want her to be yelling at them. Right. So they're and corporate on the phone case. calling you. They're to tell them to get them in right now. Right. right. <laughs> I quit that job. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, it's just you know, and, and I always used to say, well, did you tell Mrs. Jones why that you know why we were running behind? Yeah. Did you tell Tell her that the beaver just attacked the dog and bit his jugular, and I'm trying to put the pieces back together because Mrs. Jones thinks that I'm back here eating bonbons right she now does. and not seeing Fluffy, who's in the lobby, stressed out because there's a cat that she's barking at. So you know, I guess it's just there's there's so many moving pieces, but there are things that we can do that we can do right now. It ultimately comes down to management. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, and I'm not saying, I mean, you know, coming from somebody who was a manager in these practices, yep. uh, you know, I'm not saying that everything is the end all be all manager, manager's fault. And I'm not yeah. saying that you can't be in a situation where you are not empowered. Right. You know, a lot of times, especially in corporate practices, a lot of times, like, you got a title and you got responsibility, but you have no nope, fucking nope. power. Right. Right. You don't have any power to right. do the things that you need to do. You don't have the sure. power to hire right. the people. You know, you, you, you or give them a raise. Yeah. You put in a request to hire a person and they're like, well, let's let's see right. if we can get it until, and let's, let's see if you can go for a month or so. And so then everybody pulls together for a month or so. And then the month comes by and they're like, but look at how great you did. Look at your numbers. It's called gaslighting. They gaslight the shit out of us. Yeah. I totally remember those days. You literally kill yourself. You get to that metric and then they say, well, did great. Let's see if we can do that. And you're exhausted. Yeah, you're thinking fucking about dragging yourself to the finish line. I mean, it's it just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and, and then we wonder, you know, because usually what happens after that point, somebody quits yeah. and then you're even more short staffed. Right. And then they say, oh, okay, well, let's see if we can hang in there for another month. It's like, you gotta be fucking Well, and then you interview 20 people and you're like, I really want this person. And they're like, yeah, you have anybody that wants to make less? Oh, uh, right. <laughs> You have anybody that wants to not get paid? Yeah, at Amoeba. Wage? Like, the only person they can live off less is a freaking Amoeba. Right. It's unbelievable. I mean, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And we keep we keep yeah. wondering why we're getting monkeys. And sometimes even people that may not be, like, the best candidate, if you had time to train them, yeah. you might be able to actually get a productive team member out of it. But it just, it there is literally no thrown in. There is no training. It's like... Thanks, you're hired and here are your scrubs yeah. and you're, go restrain that 100 pound fractious dog. It's just, so that practice that I was talking about, mm -hmm. <laughs> that practice that I was talking about, that, uh, that assistant that we hired, mm -hmm. uh, she oh. got bit in the face on her third day. Wow. On her third day, she was bitten in the face and I was like, why? Why are you guys wow. in the back making the decision to allow this person who's been here for three days to restrain no this huge dog? Experience. Yeah. Like, why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Because they need warm bodies. Yeah. And yeah. she was a warm body. And they probably, you know, and, and I, I say this tongue in cheek, but they probably didn't even check on her while she was at the ER. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember I went to the practice, you know, I was in vet school and this dog bit my finger really, really bad. Um, I ended up having to drive myself to the hospital because no one would take me. I was shocky. 
when I got to the hospital, they were looking for, this is before Uber, so they thought, did you catch a taxi or something? When I told them I drove to the hospital, they were like, there's no way an employer let you drive yourself to the hospital. That's, it. I don't think anyone even stopped to say, like, are you okay? Right. Yeah. There was just blood and everyone was aware of the situation. I was out for a couple days, no one ever called me to say, like, are you okay? I think on the third day I got a call like, well, when are you able to come back? Right. right. Do you really need those those days off? Are you sure? Yes. Can't you just bandage it's it? Mind like mind-boggling. <laughs> so I mean, I hate to say it, but she probably never even got a call to say like it was more of an inconvenience for them than like yeah. there's a human attached to this. Right. So I guess what other things do we recommend for helping? I mean, is it just empowering the management? I mean, because sometimes they're not empowered. I mean, you and I have been in management on the same team and know that we, you know, we could have done things. Like we, clearly we can run a business. I right. mean, we're running this one very, very efficiently, very, right. very well. So, you know, is it just the people who are at the top releasing, you know, letting go of the reins so that the people that have the responsibility can actually get the job done? I mean, is, so, that, what we, is that what we... I think... You know, in a similar way to setting expectation with clients, I feel like we need to come together as veterinary professionals that are at the forefront dealing with shit like this right. and and come together and say, we're not going to deal with this. This right. is what we expect from management. This is, you know, in a similar way that millennials are doing right now where they're Absolutely. like, I'm going to get my time off. I'm yep. going to take Absolutely. that PTO. Like, so, you know, coming together and, and, you know, I know that unionizing is a, another topic that has been brought up and I actually, um, did hear back from the lady oh, awesome. she's interested. So awesome. she's going to, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about talking to her because yes. unionizing, you know, and I know that unions aren't perfect and not to, you know, jump ahead on our topic or anything. They're not perfect, but we need a collective way to yeah. bargain, i.e. a union. I mean, yeah. we really need yeah. a collective way of saying this is the minimum that, we will take. Yeah. I know that even the the conference that we're doing, um, like even just setting up the conference, they're like, we're unionized, so we have to get minimum. Yeah. I mean, it sucks when you have to pay it, but, but you at understand the end of the day, why. I understand yeah. why it's necessary, right. why these laws, you know, why we have the 40 hour work week, you know, versus the 90 hour work week, right. why you can't yeah. have your six year old working at a coal mine. Right. We need, because unfortunately, when you put money into an equation, you take away people's almost morality right. it, it really takes away just their desire to do what's right yeah. you know because you might say well why do we need all these regulations but if you leave it up to the people who are you know at the top taking the money that don't have to you know i remember i worked at a company and they said this is the way that you get a fractious dog out of the cage and i said tell any one of these fuckers from corporate to come and get a fractious dog out of the cage like that i would love to see it right <laughs> And you know they're First. so they're in the ivory towers. They're so far removed from the reality. 100%. You know, I mean, it was just the most bizarre thing ever. It's like I'm supposed to walk in the cage and like the way I'm supposed to lasso this dog. Anybody would get their face mauled. Yeah, but to them it sounded good on paper. Um, but I guess you know, thinking about unions, it might be scary for some people. But what is the alternative? I mean, how do you get? The veterinary practice in you know Walla Walla Washington to do what we do in DC and I think unions have kind of made that kind of collective we all are you know we were talking the other day and just looking at the the, the pay for technicians and assistants just the disparity yes. and it wasn't even like you would think okay in New York they would be making way more but no yeah. not always yeah. and so they probably don't know 
that in this part of the country or even in this part of New York, people are making more money. So that's one thing that collective bargaining will bring to the table is just us being able to, to close the, the gap, the income gap, the benefits gap, and just to kind of know what what might be best for the profession. Right. Well, we might even have something, I'm sorry, but we might even have something that says, we we have our own discretion in being able to fire clients. Right. Yeah. That would be an awesome bargaining chip. Right. I mean, I think the other side of this is that there's got to be there's got to be more changes uh, from the regulatory side as well. Oh, yeah. There has to be at, at some point there has to be restrictions about what these uh, unlicensed professionals can do. And and you know before anybody gets all heated about this, right. I came from a place where I started as a kennel assistant and I worked my way up and you know, all the way through working at emergency and referral hospitals. And so I totally understand the value of on-the-job training. Yeah. But at the same time, you cannot, you need to have some sort of structure. Right. You need to have some sort of uh, program or something. If you want to make a living wage right. as an unlicensed uh, veterinary professional, there needs to be regulations to go behind that because the hospital is not inclined to pay you right. what you are worth based on your skill level if you cannot, if we don't, if, there's, if they don't have to. Right. Right. And Absolutely. so if they can hire, you know, Joe Schmo and he has no experience and, you know, they can pay him $12 an hour, they're not inclined to pay somebody. $18 an hour for the same right, job. Right, right. And so, you know, there is not a single position in the human medical field right. where where people are interacting with patients and mm -hmm. responsible for patient care without some Certain sort of education or, or uh, you know, and it doesn't mm -hmm. always have to be a degree. It can be, you know, some of those are, are shorter right. certificate certificates, yeah, sure. but still, like you, you take a class, yes. you pass a test, you get your license, yes. and then you can do this. Right. That absolutely needs absolutely. to happen. Totally agree. Medicine. Well, totally well it's agree. not about like pitting support staff against each other. It's more of protecting you guys yes, so that think, people but, can't take advantage. Of but exactly. I think I think that part of the pitting against each other is because there's no clearly defined exactly. like hierarchy. Yeah. As to I mean, in, in human hospitals, like you know, the CNAs know what you know who their immediate supervisors are, and it's based on your your certification. Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah. But I think where a lot of the the issues come in is that everybody is kind of looked at all in the same. So right. there's no like, there's no structure as far as who's in charge here. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the states that use, uh, that have protections against what the titles can be. So if, for example, in Virginia, if you are not licensed, you are not allowed to call yourself a technician. Right. And the nurses, uh, the human nurses have uh, a movement to not allow veterinary uh, professionals to be called veterinary nurses. And so I It's all about ego though when we're talking about titles like that because right. there was a thread on one of, it's not all about egos, but it's mostly about egos. Yeah. There's, a, there's a thread on one of the veterinary pages that I'm on and it was like, if you are opposed to being called an assistant, when you are an assistant, right? why? Right. And a bunch of people were like, lack of respect from clients, mm -hmm. lack of respect from management. And then a lot of people were just like, it sounds like I'm less educated or less trained or less, mm -hmm. and that's fine. Like I get that, but sure. like, we have to put our egos aside and realize that this argument has been fueled by the people in up in those ivory towers Absolutely. who are profiting from right. 
that disparity. One hundred percent. So as long as they can continue to, you know, as long as they can continue to control the situation and mm-hmm. not have legislation dictate the way that they practice medicine. Right. And what everybody says is. Well, if we raise the pre- if we raise minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, it's going to cost five dollars. They're making billions. They're making less. billions. They can afford. Right. You know, and we have this argument even for for huge companies who yeah. will remain unnamed, even not in the veterinary profession. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally are making record profits. Well, and that's at the these thing. Companies. So if you just think about it, if everybody just stops and thinks about it from from a business minded perspective. When we started in veterinary medicine, there were two, right. two major veterinary corporations that had hospitals throughout the United States sure. and into Canada. Now there are new ones popping up. We were just at MDVMA, and of the what maybe thirty vendors yeah. that were there, uh-huh. seven yeah. of them were businesses that buy practices. So don't tell me right. that it's not pro- that veterinary medicine is not profitable if you've got uh, seven at this one small conference. Right. It is clearly a profitable business but for, look at for us. them to buy. We are we are paying staff a living wage. We are advocating for them, we're treating them right, and we're doing amazing. Right, so absolutely. it's not impossible, it's it's a myth. <laughs> but it's, and it's, it's a, a myth a designed, yeah. it's a desire to do it. I yeah. mean, you know, for companies to pay you a non-livable wage and then to insist or recommend that you apply for government benefits, is it's deplorable. It is. Yeah. I mean, why do we think it's okay for companies to make, you know, literally, if we, we are the machine, you know, um, they can't make it without us. So why are we so intimidated and in not wanting to ask for for a li- just a livable wage? Yeah, you can't live on seven dollars an hour. You can't live on ten dollars an hour in most places. And when I say live, you really, you know, and then the thing is, well, you should have money for a rainy day. Well, how am I supposed to have it? So what we need to do is is, is stop falling for the gas lighting and that well if we raise your salary we have to raise clients um what they pay number one they do every right. single year right right, <laughs> right. They they're do. going to anyway they're gonna raise it anyway right. so now that you've raised it yeah. instead of you taking the profit for yourself and for the company to you know to buy more places or whatever and reinvest that in your team start offering you know retention bonuses that actually equal to what some of these um you know hiring bonuses are i mean right. that's i literally know several people veterinarians who are leaving their practice after a year because the sign-on bonus at one place was five times higher than the retention bonus at where they were. I mean, mind-boggling. Well, and if you think about that, so, so I think, you know, I think that a lot of people are like, ooh, all these corporations are offering these signing bonuses as if it's a positive thing. But why? Well, but okay, yes, A, why, but B, if, if this practice is offering, you know, and I've seen up to $80,000 from some for a signing bonus, what do you think that says to your current associate right. veterinarians? Absolutely. Like, do you think those current associate veterinarians are getting an $80,000 bonus to stay? Right. Bet you fucking money they are not, for sure. So Bet what you, you had $80,000, right? right? Bet you $80,000, right. right. uh, But so what does that say to your associate veterinarian that bringing somebody else on is more valuable than giving them the bonuses or the right. raises that they, they need to stay? Right. It's crazy, but again, 
It a business-minded yeah. a person would look at that situation and go, okay, yes, certainly let's try to raise our desire up when we're trying to hire somebody, but not at the expense of alienating and pissing right. off our current fucking team. But not yeah. just a business, I mean, I agree, a business person would see just that, but also someone would see it if they're invested in a profession. Yes. You know, all of this stuff works short term very, very well. Yes. And so if your goal is to build up your company used to try to sell it to somebody else, that's going to work in the short term because for that $80,000, you've hired two new associates, so you're making that hospital in the short term look more profitable. We just, we, we, we need people that are gonna invest in this profession long term. Yeah. You know, everybody's up for the good night, you know, for the one, you know, the good, the good time, the quick, you know, turnaround, but we need people that are willing to go the distance in investing in this profession. Yeah. You're never gonna get a doctor who's a new graduate trained if they're going to a new practice or their mentorship, if they're jumping practices every six months to a year for signing bonuses. Well, but you're about, making them have to do that because they have student loans that they have to pay. You're making it you know, lucrative to them. Well, and think about how that, how that new associate is gonna be treated by the person who feels some kind of way about right. the fact that they got $80,000 to join for sure. and now they're expected to mentor and train Absolutely. this person. For no more money. And, and then we that go- That never happens. And then we go into the fucking toxicity of veterinary yes, medicine absolutely. and what happens in these I mean, I wouldn't be happy. I mean, if, you know, if I think yeah. about it, if, if, you know, it's not again, that person's fault, but right, I would be right, fucking right. pissed. I mean, yeah. but they're wrong. They're meant at the wrong person, but I know yeah. it's human nature to be mad at the person that, that that's in front of you because corporate sure ain't there for you to scream at Well, that's why them. they do it. That's yeah. why they fuel that because right. it takes the focus off, off of, of them, them. who's creating the problem to begin absolutely. with yeah. because then if people are, you know, going at each other, they're not looking at you. Right, right. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do, but I wouldn't want to train someone who I know has gotten an $80,000 bonus because number one, they're slowing me down. Right. So I'm not making, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's just, it's a vicious, vicious cycle and circle that we have to figure out, yeah. um, you know, how to move forward. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm one of the OGs in the profession and I ask other OG, like OGs, like how do we, we move from here and nobody has any answers. And I, I think the problem is that nobody is thinking about that. Everybody yeah. is just trying to get through the fucking day. day. Absolutely. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. Wow. Yeah. My Bears. goodness. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>